0: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. It's Wednesday, so you're only here for one thing. It's PMQs Unpacked. Patrick McGuire and I pause the action from the House of Commons to explain in real time just how bad things are for Boris Johnson. That's coming up in just a moment. First, as ever, we kick off with our columnist panel, and on a Wednesday, it is the duo known as Albert. That's Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton. You're not um, swimming in the serpent, are you? Robert?
2: I'm not. No, I had to take the cat to the vet. That's why. Uh, uh, that's why I'm at home. Yeah. I
0: bet by the time we get off this uh, conversation, you'll have had a call from Times Two saying, "Can you go down and try and swim in the Serpentine like Matt Hancock?"
2: That wouldn't surprise me <laughs> at all. Yeah.
0: What What did you make of Matt Hancock in the Serpentine, Alice?
3: Actually, I, that photo. So I'm always <laughs> speechless because I do swim in the Serpentine. Oh, do you? Lot. Are yes, you I'm a one member? member? I am a member. I pay my twenty quid a year. And I do go swimming there and there are almost never photographers there. And uh, the idea that he just stumbled down there and just decided on a whim to strip off uh, is just almost too much. And he just wanted one space in your life where you didn't have to think about or see politicians. And there they are. There are a few politicians who swim, but really it was just too much for me. And actually today I didn't. I just rather sadly walk around the park just in case if I went swimming.
0: He might be there. He might
3: be there. And there are quite a lot of Times uh, writers who do swim there. Including our chief leader writer swims there. And I think Poppy, who yeah. is, who is, also, a member, is mm. also a member, is also a member. That's
0: the that's the key thing. Um, and it, was it Robert Buckland in the photo as well?
3: I think he was there too. <laughs> I think it was Lord Bethel, Robert Who Bucking, is a member. Who is a member. Yes,
0: investigations reveal. Um, but not Matt Hancock. I mean, at least Matt Hancock's keeping busy while, while Westminster burns down.
3: Well, I think he should have been doing it for the Times, because then he might have been given, you know, he might have had a spray tan and... You know, had his hair done for it, mightn't he? <laughs> do, you, do, do you think <laughs> this is all? Part...
0: To me, I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert, do you think this is all part of Matt Hancock preparing to launch a leadership bid?
2: Might be, mightn't it? I mean, there's, there's a, they're they're, uh, they're jostling for position, aren't they? Uh, Jeremy Hunt saying, what did he, what did Hunt say? He uh, would have to be.
0: It would take a lot to persuade mm. him.
2: Yeah, which sounds like. Wouldn't take very much at all. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of names in the frame. I was thinking, Ken Clark usually stands, doesn't he? Is he used to around, isn't he? he, might, he, might uh, is, a, he a,
0: is he in the Lords now? I'm not sure. Lord? Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a Prime Minister mm. for the Lords, but it's possible. If yeah, you're
2: desperate. Uh, so, yes, it probably is part of... Uh, uh, I mean, they're, they're certainly jockeying for position, uh, as well they might be, because it's all chaotic, isn't it, still? What's your
0: sense, Alice? You've, been, you've watched this uh, circus for a long time now. How I... bad actually is it for Boris Johnson?
3: It is, but the rules are so complicated that it's going to be quite Ooh. difficult. And they've only really got one chance, because actually, if they try and get rid of Boris and he gets a majority of the Tory MPs wanting him to stay, they've got to wait for another year. So,
0: Although that was the case for Theresa May, and she won the vote of no confidence in December.
3: But she has quite a lot of integrity and I think she, she knows when went. she needs to go. Uh, okay. Do we think that Boris will just cling on to every single rule and actually try and stay? I don't know. I mean, I think in the end, if the MPs really do enough of them want him to go, he will go. And I think it's now what the cabinet say. You know, the pork pies, the, the, the new generation obviously are agitating, yeah. but it, it, it's the cabinet in the end that are going to matter.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a piece on uh, on Con Home today saying uh, talking about the, the idea of challenging Boris Johnson. Shoot at the elephant and miss, and he may trample the jungle for a
2: year. Um, <laughs> and that was just yeah. quite
0: a good uh, a good metaphor. Robert.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, the interesting thing is that I think the, the, the Sue Gray uh, kind of tactic. Uh, as soon as she said uh, there're not going to be any, uh, it won't, there won't be any criminal charges. That seemed to me to com- completely undermine it as a tactic for kicking it down the road because it, it then it just sort of started to look irrelevant and I think that's what that's what changed uh, over the course of uh, last week. I mean, a, a week ago it looked like he'd bought himself enough time, but then that but then that sort of big, uh, her inquiry was kind of rendered irrelevant, wasn't it? Uh, and then it all it all started up again. Uh, so.
0: And what about um, Robert? Because you did a lot before the 2019 election. You went to the Red Wall um, and so on. D- suddenly, yeah, having held them as the great heroes who delivered Boris Johnson's historic landslide uh, victory, now dismissing them as nobodies and pork pie plotters. Is that a smart way to uh, treat no, it's, these it's these not,
2: areas? It's not a smart way to treat anybody, is it? I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean you, you you don't get people to do what you want by insulting them, and uh, that is. Uh, uh, much more true today than it was even 20 years ago. You know, I mean, there's a very interesting line. Somebody saying that these people are essentially unwippable. You know, they, they they haven't got that kind of uh, uh, atavistic loyalty to party that people did in the past. I mean, and that's that's true of voters. So why, why would it not be true of MPs as well? You know, uh, they need... People need more than just being shouted at and bullied and whipped, uh, and that's what uh, this new intake is, is, is it clearly kind of knows its own mind, and it's also, I think, it's also listening to its voters. You know, they, 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 people are they, they're taking their responsibilities as, as representatives seriously, and they're thinking uh, people are telling them that, been, they, that the game's up. And they are. That's now being reflected.
0: Yeah, it's one of the sort of. Well, we did talk about a bit, a bit of this at the time, but one of the uh, consequences of the pandemic is that they didn't all come together. They weren't all rounded up and told by whips what to do at the very beginning, yeah. and they've got a bit used to just mm. you know shooting from the hip and texting me, uh, which is what one of them did this morning. Not <laughs> actually a northern one, but a 2019er uh, who said that um, uh, you know that all this stuff about how oh, they're all stupid and nobody's whatever has taken uh, most over the edge. They're doing better to reach out rather than lash out. And it's an odd tactic, isn't it, to lash out at this, at this precise point. Um, well, I, we've
3: seen what happened before. I mean, Dom Cummings, really, I feel, is orchestrating a lot of this. And you felt that when the news died down slightly on Monday morning, Cummings came back in with some more information, that actually, if you really antagonise people and you, you know, they turn them into your enemies, it's going to be quite tough, isn't it? And At the moment, Boris Johnson should be hugging them all close. That's not a natural thing for him. He's not a natural person with friendships, or he's—he's not—he's very much a loner. And the problem is, this loner doesn't really work when you're in your hour of need. You do need a few friends. It's
0: such a weird thing because he does so well on the who would you like to go to the pub with? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know who? You know? Oh, he'd be a right. Mm. We had it on our focus group last week. You know when we asked which politician would you like to be stuck in a lift with? Oh, Boris will be there. We probably have some booze (laughs) left over and all that. And actually, in real life, he's a—he's a. Pretty friendless loner, isn't
3: he? I think his wife yeah. Marina had far more friends than him, and she orchestrated their life very much. And and, and I think it's, it's incredibly sexist to say this is all Carrie's fault. And and the, I, and I find it extraordinary that there have been pieces on that. But I do think that he was I'm not sure organized. she's
0: entirely blameless in all of no,
3: this. No, but I think that actually, you know, Marina, his his wife, was very much the social together, organised one. And I think that Boris himself doesn't really have many friends of his own.
2: And I suppose actually, if you... He gets that, that kind of hunted look comes into his eye, doesn't it? And you think this is not a man who is a particularly natural extrovert. He's not particularly mm. plumbable at all. And I've heard this from people who, know, who knew him in his former career as a journalist. who said he was, he, he was, uh, he was a real, uh, uh, not a cold fish exactly, but just somebody who, who a loner. Yeah, he operated, uh, he had acquaintances and, and colleagues, but he didn't really have uh, friends. He didn't really know how to kind of go about that.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 you know, there's so many like examples of this um, with comedians. You know, people being surprised when they met Ronnie yeah. Barker that he wasn't blowing a tuba and doing a series of puns yeah. all the time because yeah. one was an act and what you know privately these people are very different. Well, we'll see. We'll see how. <laughs> say we'll see how it pans out. It may or may not pan out, but we'll um, we'll obviously keep across uh, that um, uh, all of the shenanigans down in Westminster. But let's talk about your columns, today, Alice because um, you 've focused on covid fraudsters it 's a huge amount of money it 's four point three billion pounds lost to fraud during the pandemic
3: so i think that 's what I think will be the next big issue at the moment it 's all about fairness and parties and fairness and do you wear your mask or not when you're on public transport, what are you doing? It's all about small and petty rules and who's broken them and who hasn't. Whereas I think it'll go on to a bigger issue which is a few people have made vast amounts of money out of Covid and that cashing in on Covid is going to really rankle with people particularly when you get to the spring, when inflation's going to go up, when taxes are going to go up, when people are really going to be struggling with their bills, you know, heating, everything's going to be really difficult and they're going to come out of Covid and they're going to be far worse off and see that a few people have made vast amounts of money and and some of them fraudulently of which, you know, four point three billion, they can't be bothered to get back.
0: And and there were examples yesterday, Robert, it was like someone talking about how they were being chased for about twelve pounds of overpaid child benefit. You know, the the the, yeah. system, the system is perfectly capable of tracking you down for a one pound on your self assessment or whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean I was I was I was amazed when I saw the that story. I was amazed it didn't get more prominence so that they're just not gonna bother that they're into kind of diminishing returns with the cost of tracking them down, but it, I mean, four point three billion is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's not an insignificant amount of money, and it's not just that, is it? I think Alice mentioned five point eight billion uh, in other uh, other payments, uh, plus all the the issue of who got PPE contracts and natural flow contracts when they didn't necessarily have to have any experience at all; they just had to know somebody. Uh, it's it—it it, it feels like something the government ought to be. Uh, a, Addressing and didn't ought to be giving up on. And I think Alice made a very good point when she said Rishi Sunak could 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 set himself up as a, as a uh, on a bit of a crusade to get this money back. Uh, well, or, at the, I mean, to be honest,
3: at least try. It feels like very early it, to have least, thrown yeah, your hands in right. the air. Yeah, and it's, they've spent quite a lot of money on it already and haven't been able to. But the thing yeah. is, if you can get it back off, you know. Struggling families who may have overpaid yeah, inadvertently—you yeah. can definitely get it back from the. Fortress, well, I, mean, I you remember.
0: Think. Was it? Um, oh, I can't. Remember which of the benefits it was? Was it uh, tax um, child tax credit or maybe the tax credit where there had been overpayments mm. through no yeah. fault of the person because the system was so bad and it struggled to keep up. Yeah. And someone, you know, had or hadn't told the system they'd done some more hours, but you know, it wasn't. Yeah. And they ended the, up, up over... in food banks. Yes, whereas, whereas these got people really are ending hammered up... for years and years mm. and years on this stuff.
3: I mean, it's an extraordinary indictment of the government, really, if you're going to go after the little kind of, you know, the the people that they would call little people, but the people who really need that money and who really care and who are trying to be honest and are horrified probably if they think they have in any way done anything illegal. So the people who are actually doing something illegal, and and as Robert said, it's also the people who've just made vast amounts of money out of PPE and then actually the PPE hasn't even worked or have made vast amounts out of, you know, all the testing and that hasn't worked either, that there's a sense that a few people just grabbed a lot of money and it's a bit like, you know, it's sort of war profiteering, isn't it? It's that sense that you don't really, you don't want them to make money when everyone else is doing so badly. Yeah.
2: And, when, when... and it, adds, it adds to this sense of, of you know one law for them and one law for the rest of us. And uh, and as Alice says, yeah, I mean inflation's already went up and it's you know five point four percent. Got this, the heating thing is, is coming down the track, which is, uh, I mean, that's the sort of thing that the government that's the sort of thing that loses you elections if you, if, you, if, if 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 you're Bill goes from uh, £1,000 to £2,000 a year, the average, and more and more people are put into what they call fuel stress, where I think it's more than 10% of your budget is on having to, uh, to heat your house, then that's a really, it's an incredibly serious issue and it just doesn't seem to be being addressed.
0: Yeah, and I suppose, and, and um, at a time when Rishi Sunak is going around saying, oh, he's really, really unhappy about him to put up national insurance, which is raising, what, £12 billion? what well, a third, he could pay a third of that if he got this money back. Do you know
3: what? What I didn't put in the column, which I wish I had, is it's exactly the same amount that he says he's going to spend on levelling up. So you think, well, actually, that's how we could do levelling up, or we could double the amount we spent yeah. on levelling up if we bothered to get that money back.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the, the levelling up thing starts to look very hollow, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Uh, which is just another thing to upset red wall MPs as if they didn't have enough. You see, and I have brought it all the way back to the beginning. You see, you can't learn that. <laughs> Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton, then, of course, you can read them in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to the forward slash Time Box. Up next is PMQs Unpacked.
1: Selling a little or a lot? Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC.
0: You're listening to the Red Box podcast now. It's time for this. PMQs Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting
4: through the crossfire.
5: Order! Order! I call Matt Chorley and Patrick Maguire.
0: Yes, we are live on Times Radio, live on the Times Radio YouTube channel for PMQs Unpacked. Patrick Maguire, Times Red Box editor is here,
6: primed and ready for <laughs> one of the historic uh, in store. Perhaps Boris Johnson's the last uh, in store. Well, it won't be, even if he has to resign as Conservative Party leader. But God, how do you play this
0: if you're Boris Johnson? It, it seemed huge last week. We were expecting this apology for the parties that had gone in down the street. But to have someone uh, resign, uh, a Conservative MP resign and defect directly to the opposition, not to your Lib Dems or any of that nonsense, straight to the opposition, uh, Christian Wakeford, the MP for Bowie South. Is this the beginning of the end for Boris Johnson, do you think? And we don't want to get too caught up in the hyperbole, obviously, but but this feels like a huge moment. It is a huge moment, because if you
6: compare the last direct Labour to Tory, uh, Tory to Labour defections, Sean Woodward in 2001, uh, dis- discontented with William Hague's direction of travel on stuff like uh, gay marriage, etc., Quentin Davis in 2008... Um, an MP everybody has forgotten, but he went to sort of give a positive endorsement of Gordon Brown. They, they were people joining a government that was sort of in its imperial phase. This is a an MP saying, one, the Labour Party is sufficiently detoxified in the North, and particularly on anti-Semitism. Don't forget, Very South has a big Jewish population. And B, that Boris Johnson, you know, he has a 420 majority. That is the bottom line here. He no longer has faith that Boris Johnson is an election winner.
0: And that's such a such an about turn because that was that was his appeal. That, you know, for all of his faults, of which we um, discussed them many times, uh, he won elections. He was uh, popular. Uh, well, PMQs has begun. They've just had a question from the Conservative MP John Bowen. Uh, which seem to be trying to um, make Britain more attractive to young people, which I'm not sure is necessarily uh, where the uh, national debate is. If you want to watch along, you can join us on YouTube. We've got more than a, more than 1,000 people already, so it's already more popular than last week. Uh, go on to YouTube, Search Times Radio. You can watch along PM, this, this extraordinary uh, Prime Minister's questions. What can Boris Johnson do? He's already facing MPs calling for a vote of no confidence. He's had an, uh, one of his own MPs. Uh, announce uh, that they are defecting to the Labour Party. And Bowie South is one of those seats which was so crucial to the the tumbling of the Red Wall. He only won it by 400 seats. There were plenty of other uh, Conservative MPs in exactly this position, aren't there, Patrick McGuire?
6: Yes, exactly. With slender majorities in uh, traditional uh, traditional Labour seats or um, marginals that the Conservative Party won convincingly or otherwise in 2019. And if, anything, if nothing else, this is a reminder that Boris Johnson's party management isn't very good. I've just been told by a 29 intake MP, Christian Wakeford was sat in a room with his colleagues from their intake this morning and said nothing. The whips clearly weren't entirely across this. And it's, the upshot is Boris Johnson is going to be humiliated. Uh, Christian Wakeford is sat behind Keir Starmer right in Boris Johnson's
0: eyeline. It couldn't be worse. Here we go, then. Question number one, PMQs Unpacked. Watch along on the Times Radio YouTube channel. This is a very, very gleeful Keir Starmer.
5: Position Keir Starmer.
7: (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I start by warmly welcoming...
5: Can I start... (laughs)
8: Listen to the Prime (laughs) Minister.
5: Can I just say... I expect people to listen to the Prime Minister. I certainly don't want the Leader of the Opposition shouted down. You might not like the day, but this is the day that we've got. Mr.
7: Speaker, I'm not bothered. I assumed it was directed over here. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 can I start by warmly welcoming the Honourable Member for Bury South to his new place close- and to the Parliamentary Labour Party? Mr. Speaker, like so many people up and down the country, he has concluded that the Prime Minister and the Conservative Party have shown themselves incapable of offering the leadership and government this country deserves, whereas the Labour Party stands ready to provide an alternative government that the country can be proud of. Mr. Speaker, the Labour Party has changed, and so has the Conservative Party. He and anyone else who wants to build a new Britain built on decency, security, prosperity and respect is welcoming my Labour Party. Yeah. Every week, the Prime Minister offers absurd and frankly unbelievable defences to the Downing Street parties and each week it unravels.
5: I've been elected the Chair. I don't need to be told how to conduct the business. So if somebody wants to do some direction, I'll start directing them out of the chamber. Keir Starmer. Lindsay Hoyle, taking no nonsense today. Mr.
7: Speaker, I see the very noise. I'm sure the chief whip has told them to bring their own booze. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Applause in the House of Commons there for Keir Starmer's not entirely unprepared gag.
5: Order. Let's try and get on with questions. It's going to be a long day. Even Lindsay Hoyle's laughing at that. that. Mr
7: Speaker, first he said there were no parties. Then the video landed, blowing that defence out of the water. Next he said he was sicker than furious when he found out about the parties until it turned out that he himself was at the Downing Street Garden party. Then last week, last week he said he didn't realise he was at a party and, surprise, surprise no-one believed him. So this week, he's got a new defence. Nobody warned me that it was against the rules. That's it. Nobody told him. Uh, s- since the Prime Minister wrote the walls, why on earth does he think that this new defence is going to work for
4: him? Better go then. Boris Johnson's response. Well, th- thank you, Mr Speaker. Well, he talks about... Uh, the rules, and I, I, let me let me repeat what I said to uh, the honourable lady a, a, across the aisle uh, uh, earlier on. Of course, of course, Mrs. Speaker, we must wait for the uh, we must wait for the outcome of the, of the inquiry. But I, re- I, re- I, I, I renew what I've said, and uh, Mrs. Speaker. But when, when it comes to when it comes to his view, nobody believes what
0: you
4: say. Can we have a little less?
5: I want to, this Prime Minister, like I wanted to the Leader of the Opposition. I want the same courtesy from both sides.
4: Prime Minister. Yeah. Well, Mr Speaker, if we'd listened to the right hon. Gentleman about, about Covid restrictions, which is the substance uh, of his question, uh, then, then, Mr Speaker, we would still be... Uh, we would have been in lockdown after July. If, if we, we, we listened to... If this is the truth... If we listened to the Labour front bench in the run-up to Christmas and New Year, Mr. Speaker, we would have stayed in uh, restrictions with huge damage uh, to the economy. And it's because of the it's because of the judgements that I've taken and that we have taken uh, in Downing Street that we now have the fastest-growing economy in the G7 and, and GDP, Mr. Speaker, now back up above pre-pandemic levels. And as for Berry South, Mr. Speaker, as for as for Barry South. Let me, say to, let me say to the, let me say to the right, gentlemen, Mr. Speaker, my say to the right honourable gentlemen, that the Conservative Party won Berry South for the first time in generations under this Prime Minister, uh, with an agenda of uniting, uniting and levelling up and delivering for the people of Berry South. And, Mr. Speaker, we will win again in Berry South at the next election under this Prime Minister.
0: There we are, that was Boris Johnson. If, if you if you agree with the Prime Minister about whether or not the Toys can win back the Barry South, um, there's a poll right now on our YouTube channel, up to 1,500 people already. Can we get to 2,000? Um... It, it didn't sound like he was going to acknowledge Christian, Christian Wakeford till the very end there. And interestingly, I
6: thought he was going to say... He didn't sound strong enough to... Demand he fight a by-election. That would be the ultimate test yeah. for a leader who was truly confident he could win Barry South.
0: And his idea of generations... It was 1997 that the Labour Party won Barry South. It was conservative thought that. Yes, yes, it's so not, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Um, uh, that long ago. I mean, we should point out, um, Christian Wakeford sitting behind Keir Starmer wearing a Union Jack face mask uh, just to uh, really hammer home the... Um...
6: Well, as, as Keir Starmer said, the Labour Party has changed. One, and I think most importantly in this case, detoxifying the party's reputation for anti-Semitism. But two... That a Tory MP can defect directly to the Labour Party and sit behind the leader in a Union Jack face mask um, suggests that Keir Starmer's efforts to rebrand and reposition the party, tedious though it is for us to listen to and to watch him wrap himself in the flag, is having an effect, it, it works,
0: it works, and yeah, but we don't need to pick over all of Boris Johnson's answers. This stuff about we would still be in lockdown, I think, has been dealt with repeatedly by the Labour Party. So they didn't call for a lockdown in December, and
6: indeed, if we were still
0: in lockdown, Boris Johnson would still be having
6: a great time anyway. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't that's why he doesn't know whether or not we're in lockdown or not. Um, and uh, just saying I renew what I said, and I think we had the first uh, Sue Gray uh, <laughs> mention, which we'll keep across. Uh, right, we've got a lot to get through, It's gonna be as long as that. We're gonna be here till about mid afternoon. Let's go back. This is only question two from Keir Starmer.
5: Look, it's important I hear. I want to hear both sides, and I don't want this continuous chant. Because if we do, there'll be less people on these benches, and the same on the other side. That's Hall ticking the ticking off. Both Conservative sides, sides be heard with courtesy. Here's that. Uh,
7: Barry South is now a Labour seat, Prime Minister.
5: <laughs> um, Order. Order. Did somebody want some- me to apologise? No, somebody shouted apologise. I hope it wasn't aimed at me. No, no. <laughs> and so we'll also have less from that corner, Keir Starmer. That's, uh, that's uh, Lindsay Hall pointing to the, f- the you, sort far Speaker. end of the Conservative Not benches. Not only did he write the rules, but some of his
7: staff say they did warn him about attending the party on the 20th of May 2020. Now, I've heard the Prime Minister's very carefully crafted response to that accusation. It's almost sounds like a lawyer wrote
0: it. Boris Johnson obviously often mocks Keir Starmer for being a lawyer. So
7: I'll be equally careful with my question. When did the Prime Minister first become aware that any of his staff had concerns about the 20th of May party? Uh,
4: uh, uh, Mr Speaker, I, I'm, I'm grateful to write for uh, repeating the question that he's, uh, that he's, he's already asked. We, we have uh, answered, uh, Mr Speaker, uh, the, it is for the inquiry to to come forward uh, with uh, an explanation of what happened, and the, I'm afraid he simply he simply must wait. But he asks about my staff, Mr. Speaker. He asked he asks about. Uh, my staff and what my staff are doing, and what, and what they uh, have told me, and I can tell him, Mr. Speaker, that they have taken decisions throughout this pandemic uh, that, that, he has, uh, that he has opposed to open up in, in July, Mr. Speaker. As I have said, to mount the fastest vaccine rollout in, in Europe, uh, and, and, Mr. Speaker, to double the speed of the booster rollout, uh, with the result that we have the most open economy in Europe, Mr. Speaker, and we, ha- and we have more. More people uh, in employment and more p- employees on the payroll now than there were before the pandemic began. That is what my staff have been working on in Downing Street uh, Mr Speaker and I'm proud of them.
0: OK let's pause it there. Patrick McGuire, um, Times Red Box editor. There are hundreds and hundreds of people watching along on uh, the YouTube channel. Do join us on the Times Radio YouTube channel because it's worth watching this as well as uh, being able to hear it. Lindsay Hoyle speaking for almost as much as the other two.
6: Yeah, I I feel that by the end of this session I might have got out my Lindsay Hall impersonation, (laughs) but it's too early for that. I think that was a ridiculous Nadine Dorries defence from Boris Johnson there, which just shows you how deep the mire he finds himself is in. It's almost word-for-word identical to the quote from Nadine Dorries, um, his biggest cheerleader in the Cabinet, perhaps only cheerleader, um, talking about boosters, etc. And more more importantly, it's not an answer to the question that Keir Starmer asked, which is one he... Can't answer without incriminating himself.
0: Um, and that's why it sounds so ridiculous. It's the only answer he can give. Let's take a look at some of the comments that people are posting on YouTube. Uh, I'm, uh, somebody says, I'm just waiting for Johnson to blame the Labour government. Uh, answer the bloody question, says David. Valerie says, Boris is flailing a bit, I think. Same old, same old. Uh, I don't think I can watch. No, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> somebody else. Uh, Boris is quickly catching up with Trump in the line. Stakes as Richard Moore, drivel. Oh, it's too painful. Uh, <laughs> I think Matt is going to wear that bell out uh, there we are for every time he mentions the inquiry which he thinks is going to get him out of everything uh, do go online and share your views uh, go to uh, YouTube and search Times Radio and you can watch along um, uh, Keir Starmer trying a lawyer's question when did you first become aware of concerns about the party Boris Johnson ended up talking about how we're the most open economy in Europe let's see if Keir Stummer has any more luck with what is only his third question So, Mr Speaker, apparently Sue Gray is going to tell the Prime
7: Minister when he first became aware that his staff had (laughs) concerns about the May 20th. Uh, The Prime Minister's account gets more extraordinary with each version of his defence. If the Prime Minister's new defence were true, it requires him to suggest that his staff are not being truthful when they say they warned him about the party. It requires the Prime Minister to expect us to believe that whilst every other person who was invited on the 20th of May to the party was told it was a social occasion, he alone was told it was a work meeting. It also requires us, requires the Prime Minister to ask us to accept that as as he waded through the empty bottles and platters of sandwiches, he didn't realise it was a party. Does the Prime Minister realise how ridiculous that
4: sounds? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, uh, I- I've said what I've said about uh, the events in number 10. Uh, he, will have to, he will have to wait uh, for the, he'll have to wait for. The... And, and Mr. Speaker, oh, calf, I think, it, I think you for know, he, he asks for, uh, for further clarification. I think there are lots of people who are interested. I say this entirely in passing, Mr. Speaker. lots of people are interested in the exact legal justification uh, from the learned, um, the learned uh, leader of the opposition uh, for, for the picture of him drinking a pint of beer or a bottle of beer minute merely, merely, perhaps perhaps he, perhaps he could tell the house about that in a minute in a minute mr speaker but what I just I was literally laughing I face there. is that uh, throughout the pandemic people in across government have been working flat out to protect the British public. So flat out on the sofas. The huge quantities of PPE, so we can now make 80% in this country, with the biggest and most generous furlough scheme uh, virtually anywhere in the world, and the fastest, and by the way, Mr Speaker, if we listened to them, if we listened to them, we would have stayed in the European Medicines Agency <laughs> and we would never have been able to deliver the vaccine oh. rollout at the speed that we did.
0: I would say drink, but Just the suitcase stop. is empty. Uh, let's Let's just jump in there, uh, Patrick McGuire. If you are just joining us in the middle of PMQs, I'm Pat, um, and you haven't heard the news, minutes before PMQ's got underway, the Conservative MP uh, Christian Wakeford uh, defected from the Conservatives uh, to the Labour Party. He's sitting behind uh, Keir Starmer uh, wearing a um, Union Jack face mask. should point out that sitting next to Boris Johnson today is Rishi Sunak. Uh, he went missing last week. He went all the way to Ilfakum. Uh, Liz Truss has returned the favour, though, by flying to Australia. By flying to Australia. Where's the furthest? How can I get away far, as far away from this as possible? Um, I mean, we're now sort of in the point where Keir uh, really ar- he- Starmer's not really asking questions and Boris Johnson's not really answering them.
6: Uh, I've seen it all. Keir Starmer laughing at a dispatch box and looking like he's having a good time. This, again, is an illustration of how far Boris Johnson's fallen. What I think is interesting, if you compare this to Boris Johnson's first public appearance yesterday in that interview with Beth Rigby, did his best to seem contrite, almost an impression of a man who was capable of feeling shame and remorse. But now, you know, like some, now someone's put fifty p in the back of their Boris Johnson doll, and he's trying out all the best lines. It's as a as a as a gambit for regaining the the, the confidence of MPs like Christian Wakeford, the ones who are still in the party. I'm uh, pretty doubtful. It's uh, it's advisable to be honest
0: with you. Uh, but, um, I have to say, last week when we did this, the comments were, were, not, were not quite 50 50, but there were people trying to defend Boris Johnson. I can't see any right now uh, v- so far. Everyone's saying um, uh, th- there's just lots of waffle. Gary says Boris is not having a good day. Uh, where is, uh, somebody says, where's Keir Starmer going with this? If every question is going to de- be deflected by Boris as a wait for Sue Gray uh, and then used to reel off the greatest hits, as Sachin. Uh, but I, mean, I suppose you've got to ask something. Uh, Anyway, we'll see how we're going to go on. I mean, it's now a sort of three-way triangulator PMQs between uh, Boris Johnson, Keir Starmer and uh, Lindsay Hoyle. Let's go back to the comments.
7: Mr Speaker, if the Prime Minister thinks the only accusation he faces that he once had a beer with a takeaway, then Operation Save Big Dog is in deeper (laughs) trouble than I thought. (laughs) If a Prime Minister misleads
4: Parliament, should they resign? So, Ms. Mr. Speaker, let's be absolutely clear. Uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman is continuing to ask a series of questions which he knows will be fully addressed uh, by the inquiry. Uh, he, is wasting, he is wasting this House's time. He's wasting the people's time, Mr. Speaker. He continues to be completely irrelevant, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, to the, to the we have an inquiry. We have an inquiry, Mr Speaker, and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to anticipate that inquiry any further. What I, what I can tell him is that it is because of the judgments that were taken in Downing Street and because of the uh, willingness of the British people uh, to put trust, by the way, Mr. Speaker, in those judgments, uh, to come to come to come forward in huge numbers to get vaccinated, which people did, and I thank them for it from the bottom of my heart. People did that uh, because they listened to our messages, Mr. Speaker, and it was a result of that that we now have the fastest growing economy in the G7 and un- youth unemployment, which he ought to care about, youth unemployment at a record
0: low, Mr. Speaker. Okay, let's just uh, jump in there. There's a reason, Patrick McGuire, that Boris Johnson saying all this stuff is because there are some conservative MPs, wavering conservative MPs, for whom that might work. The I got the calls right on the stuff that matters is actually it's got some purchase on some conservative MPs, it does, and that was the message
6: Michael Gove, when he addressed uh, Tory MPs the 1922 committee this time last week after another nightmare, PMQs with Boris Johnson, he said, listen, I've had my doubts about the Prime Minister, but he gets the big calls right. Nadine Dorrie said that this morning. Every Cabinet Minister still lords the Prime Minister will be saying that. And I do wonder, part of me wonders, you know, I can see out the corner of my eye Tory MPs, you know, goading Christian Wakeford across the aisle. You do wonder whether this stays the hand of some Tory MPs whose trigger fingers were getting itching. They might write to Graham Brady. They might just be cowed into partisan loyalty for this and might be able to justify not going for Boris Johnson on the grounds that he's seen us through the pandemic.
0: It's interesting. I now mean, on the specific of the question, uh, Keir Starmer asking if the Prime Minister leads the house uh, misleads the House, should they resign? That's a sort of standing convention. If someone breaches the, uh, the ministerial code, uh, in, including uh, lying to the House of Commons, uh, then they would have to resign. But we've clearly seen breaches of the ministerial code before where that um, hasn't happened. Uh, right, we go back to the House of Commons. It's question number five from Keir Starmer.
7: Well I I know it's not going well, Prime Minister, but look on the bright side. At least the staff at number ten know how to pack a suitcase. <laughs> Mr Speaker, last year last year Her Majesty the Queen sat alone when she marked the passing of the man she'd been married to for 73 years. She followed the rules of the country that she leads. On the eve of that funeral. A suitcase was filled with booze and wheeled into Downing Street, a DJ played and staff parted late into the night. The Prime Minister has been forced to hand an apology to Her Majesty the Queen. Isn't he ashamed that he didn't hand in his resignation at
4: the same time? Mr Speaker, I, I, I understand why the uh, Right Honourable Gentleman continues to politicise issues. Is, so, sorry, all Premise.
5: Is we normally would not, and quite rightly, mention the Royal Fund. That's another convention in the House Commons.
4: We don't get into discussions on the Royal Fund. Well, in that case, Mr Speaker, I must ask the Right Honourable Gentleman to withdraw it. I've dealt, I've dealt with it.
5: Here, Starmer. Keir Starmer, if you are you going to. Oh, are you this, is,
0: this is no, suppose Boris Johnson's now back at the dispatch box. Order. Order. Now Lindsay Hoyle's back on his feet again.
5: Prime right, Minister, we don't want to go through that again. I'll make the decisions. The answer is that the next question I'm going back to Keir Starmer to ask his final question. Keir Starmer. Uh, thank you,
7: Mr. Speaker. Whilst the Prime Minister wastes energy, Defended the indefensible, people's energy bills are rocketing. Yeah. Yeah. Labour has a plan to deal with it. axe VAT for everyone, provide extra support for the hardest hit and pay for it with a one-off tax on oil and gas companies. A serious plan for a serious problem. What's the government offering? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Too distracted by their own chaos to do their job. Yeah. While Labour was setting out plans to heat homes, he was buying a fridge to keep the party wine chilled. While we were setting out plans to keep bills down, he was planning parties. And while we were setting out plans to save jobs in the steel industry, he was, he was trying to save just one job, his own. Doesn't the country deserve so much better than this? Out of touch, out of control, out of ideas,
4: and soon to be out of office, Prime Minister. big Mr Speaker, I'll tell you what this government has been doing to look after the people of this country throughout this pandemic and, and beyond. Uh, we have been cutting uh, the cost of living, helping them with the, the living wage. We've been raising, we've been, raising, uh, we've, been ra- we've been cutting taxes for people on low pay, Mr Speaker. We've been increasing payments uh, for people uh, suffering the costs of fuel. Prime Minister, after just, can I just say to everyone in here, our constituents
5: want to hear... The questions and the answers. The great British public, the members of this United Kingdom, which you are representing, they need to hear.
4: Please, let's hear the questions and answers. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, we will continue to look after people throughout this uh, pandemic and, and beyond. But we've also, Mr Speaker, been cutting crime by 10%. Putting 11,000 more police officers already out on the record home building last year. Mr. At any time in the last 30 years, we are building 40 new hospitals. Mr. Speaker, gigabit broadband, gigabit broadband has gone up from 9% coverage in our country to 65% already. And as I said already, I think three times or four times today, we have more people, more employees on the payroll now than before the pandemic began, and uh, and unemployment, youth unemployment, at a record low, Mr. Speaker. When the history of this pandemic comes to be written, and the history of the Labour Party comes to be written, and believe me, they are history and will remain history, Mr. Speaker, it will show, it will show, it will show that we delivered while they dithered, and we we vaccinated while they vaccinated, Mr. Speaker. And- And the reason we've been able to lift restrictions faster than any other country in Europe, and we have the most open economy and the most open society in Europe, Mr Speaker, is thanks to the booster rollout and thanks to the work of staff up and down Whitehall, across government, throughout the NHS, Mr Speaker, and I am intensely proud of what this government has done.
0: Boris Johnson there, rounding things off with quite the um the greatest hits, Patrick Maguire.
6: <laughs> yes, nothing we haven't heard before from Boris Johnson. I was most struck though by a not inconsiderable cheer from behind him, suggesting that he hasn't lost his party completely, and nothing gets uh the hackles of Tory MPs up like a bit of uh like a bit of red on blue. So perhaps that's his best hope.
0: You do wonder, it is interesting that whether or not the the, the defection, what was now about half an hour ago when we heard that uh, Christian Wakeford, the Conservative MP for Bowie South, had defected to the Labour Party, uh, designed to be a big moment of drama at PMQs, but maybe, at least for this half an hour, it's galvanised some Conservative support behind Boris Johnson?
6: And particularly, I think, we've heard a lot about the 2019 intake of Conservative MPs. Uh, who Christian Wakeford was sat with just hours ago, I wonder if it's a clarifying moment for them. As much as many of them will worry about their seats and be uncomfortable with the direction of travel under Boris Johnson, as Christian Wakeford is, I just wonder whether this might convince them which team they really are on in their heart of hearts. But at the same time, it may encourage them to think, well, God, if Boris Johnson isn't even flavour of the month in a seat he won in 2019, like one of mine, Perhaps it really is time for a sea change because it, the Labour Party now has a story to tell about the parties, about its own plans for the
0: country and its own competence, crucially. One thing that several people have pointed out is obviously Christian Wakeford's defection does mean there's now one letter out of the pot uh, towards the 54 to it trigger, does. trigger a, um, a vote of no confidence. Uh, yes,
6: indeed. I have to say that's very well choreographed from the Labour Party. Great deep cover on a par with Anthony Blunt looking after the Queen's paintings <laughs> after uh, after, you know... Telling his university secrets to the KGB or whatever. I think it's very, very entertaining deep cover, knowing that Christian Waitford knew he'd be sat behind Keir Starmer saying, Oh, I'm so furious. I'm going to hand him a letter to Graham Brady. Great stuff.
0: <laughs> um, Boris Johnson getting some support and cheers uh, from uh, Conservative MP sitting behind him. And the Cabinet are out in force. On the front bench, we've got the Chief Whip, Mark Spencer, Jacob Weiss Mogg. Dominic Raab and Amory Trevelyan. And then on his other side, Rishi Sunak, who went missing last week in Devon. Uh, then Priti Patel and Sajid so all, the, all And Dean Dovis, I think, is uh, just along the, the front row as well. So they're all out in, in force. The, the one exception being, uh, as we discussed, Liz Truss, who's flown to Australia on a very important, um, on a very important uh, visit there. Uh, right, we're going to stick with uh, PMQs and bring you some more of the action from the House of Commons. We're going to hear now from uh, the SNP's leader in Westminster, Ian Blackford.
5: Blackford, yeah.
8: Thank you, Mr Speaker. This week was supposed to be Operation Save Big Dog. But it's quickly become Operation Dog's Dinner. Over the past few days, we've had more damaging revelations about Downing Street rulemaking, more evidence that Parliament has been misled, and an even longer list of ludicrous... Absolutely ludicrous Excuses from the Prime Minister First he claimed There were no parties Then he wasn't present Then he admitted he was at them But he didn't know it was a party And then Mr Speaker The latest sorry excuse Is really the most pathetic of them all Nobody told me (laughs) Nobody told me Nobody told the Prime Minister he was breaking his own rules. Absolutely pathetic. The Prime Minister, you know. (laughs) What a look! What a look! The Prime Minister laughing once again, laughing at the British public. The Prime Minister is taking the public. Strictly speaking, he's laughing at Ian Blackford. (laughs) Nobody believes him. Well, the Prime Minister. Finally, take responsibility,
4: resign. Go, Prime Minister. Uh, no, Mr. Speaker, but I, I thank him for his question again. And uh, let, let, me just, let me just remind him that. Uh, there's a, an inquiry that is due to, uh, to conclude. Uh, I, I, I believe he's wrong in what he asserts, Mr Speaker, but we'll have to wait and see what the uh, what the inquiry says. Uh, but, Mr Speaker, I think the most important thing from, from the point of view of, of the UK government is that uh, we're coming out of uh, the restrictions that we've been in. I'm delighted to see that that's happening in Scotland as well. Uh, and uh, and I, that is very largely thanks to the wonderful cooperation uh, that we continue to see across the whole of the UK. UK, though you wouldn't believe it, to hear it from him.
0: I the most extraordinary club I've ever heard from Boris Johnson, there's wonderful cooperation between him and Nicola Sturgeon.
6: God, halfway through that question, I thought to myself, things really must be bad if Ian Blackford is looking like an authoritative and measured parliamentary orator. And then about five minutes later, as Boris Johnson nodded his head uh, and, and giggled at the, the, ext- the lengthy oration we got, I realised that nothing has changed, Really? <laughs>
0: Um, there's something about Ian Blackford's style where he he says things that everyone has been saying for a week, as if he's just thought of them, uh, and sort of chuckles along to his own material, and then um, it seems slightly taken aback that everyone's groaning around him. He's like Twitter on a sort of 24-hour delay. Well, uh, <laughs> he is, isn't he? But I, I, that's quite. It's quite a. He, he
6: he's sort of quite a useful parliamentary battering ram for the smp in that respect because the story they want to tell about westminster is necessarily a bit reductive isn't it uh that you know its culture is rotten and incapable of dealing with the challenges uh an independent scotland wants in in line with the wishes of the the scottish people uh so you know oblivious though he is his audience um isn't the likes of you and I, or indeed Boris Johnson.
0: So just looking at some of the comments that people have posted on the Times Radio YouTube channel, Steve says, in the grand scheme of things, should opposition MPs be wasting time on this rather than world events, cost of living, people's jobs? Would we be in a better place with Starmer? I think not. So let's get some of the backbench contributions now, uh, some of the real-world stuff. Uh, Let's hear from Neil Hanvey, a uh, ALBA MP for Cocody and Calden Heath, asking about Covid contacts after a veteran in his constituency took his own life because of financial debt.
4: Amen. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, as the cost of living crisis deepens, this government's priorities get ever more remote from my and Cowdenbeath constituency. Uh, uh, only this week I learned a uh, veteran in my constituency, James Scott, took his own life uh, as a result of uh, his struggle with mounting financial pressures. This is a government who were found to have acted unlawfully by the High Court over COVID contracts and now preparing to write off $4.3 billion allocated to those COVID schemes. Why can the UK government find billions of pounds for profiteers and fraudsters but they can't find compassion to treat the people with dignity, lifting the benefits cap and reinstating the cut to universal credit? Well, first of all, Mr Speaker, I want to say how sorry I am uh, for what he's had to say about James Scott and Uh, this government does as much as we can to support veterans and that's why uh, we published the Veterans Action Plan uh, only only, uh, the other day Mr Speaker but what we're also doing is ensuring that we support people throughout this crisis he mentions uh, and and I've I've said in my answer to the the right honourable gentleman uh, many of the steps that we're taking to protect people uh, on on low incomes and we will continue to do more Mr Speaker. He attacks the the, uh, contracts for, for PPE actually I think it was an astonishing astonishing thing uh, at great speed to be able to uh, give this country 17 billion items of PPE thanks to the efforts of uh, of, of people across Whitehall and uh, mrs speaker this country is now capable of producing 80% of our of our own PPE kate Griffiths.
0: there we are that was one of the uh, <laughs> one of the answers from um, uh, <laughs> from the opposition benches uh, not specifically on um, uh, coronavirus and covid contacts uh, Boris Johnson just rattling off the sort of greatest hits. Let's hear now from one of the Conservative MPs. We haven't sort of had an ex- explosion from the back benches, uh, from the Conservative back benches, uh, but let's hear now from the Conservative MP for Burton, Kate Griffith. Thank you,
9: Mr Speaker. Shortly before Christmas, my constituent, Oliver Freckleton, was found at home having been stabbed to death on the eve of his 20th birthday. Yesterday, his heartbroken parents held their son's funeral. Oliver leaves behind a partner and a baby daughter, and two teenagers have been arrested for his murder. Now, this tragic event leaves behind a devastated family, friends, and a very worried community. I'm grateful for the work that Staffordshire Police is undertaking to tackle violent crime in my constituency, and the extra 149 additional police officers recruited is very welcome. But does the Prime Minister agree with me? that a multi-stakeholder approach is vital to tackling crimes amongst our young people? And what can the government do to support not just the police, but schools, colleges and local authorities in working to address this issue?
4: My honourable friend, uh, first of all, I'm I'm very sad to hear the news of of the the loss of her constituent uh, Oliver. And uh, like like so many uh, victims of violent crime, uh, the answer, as is, as is the case with so many victims, the answer is not just policing, though that is vitally important. And that's why we're investing so massively in 20,000 uh, more police officers uh, and supporting them uh, with uh, toughening the law, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but it's also, as she rightly says, important to get uh, all the institutions of the state to work together. Schools, colleges, uh, the social services uh, and the health service, mental health service as well.
5: That's a good
0: there we are. So that's that's uh, uh, Boris Johnson trying to focus on matters other than uh, other than his own own future. Um, uh, Patrick McGuire, Times Mail box editor. Where are we now, do you think, uh, for uh, Boris Johnson? Well,
6: clearly he has not answered the questions put to him by the Labour Party, and they're also the questions his MPs are asking. Um, yabella has got to work out today because ultimately, um, Tory MPs. A critical mass of them clearly, although we might find out between now and Sue Gray's report that some of them have snapped, have uh, are deferring to Sue Gray. And as long as that is the question, as long as that sword of Damocles is hanging over, uh, hanging over Boris Johnson's head or neck, as he would say, as that's the original Greek, um, th- then we're going to be stuck in this holding pattern. And that last question and answer, you know, Boris talking about, uh, Boris Johnson talking about knife crime. That is one of the stories the government wants to tell. That's one of the things it wants to focus on. Remember Crime Week? I'm given to understand there's going to be another one of those soon.
0: Uh, Patrick McGuire, we are talking about Boris Johnson's future. Because of all the letters supposedly going in, just before PMQ's Christian Wake for the Conservative MP for Bowie South uh, uh, defected to the Labour Party. Uh, In the last few seconds, David Davis has uh, called on Boris Johnson to go. We'll bring you that live uh, in just a moment. Um, this is one of the things we haven't seen so far, is a really big name going after Boris Johnson.
6: Yes, and a fellow traveller on Brexit. Obviously, uh, David Davis served with Boris Johnson in uh, Theresa May's cabinet, campaigned alongside him in 2017. Uh, That is huge. He's certainly the biggest name to have called for him so far and not a usual suspect, not from the One Nation wing of the party, an ideological
0: fellow traveller. Okay, here it is. is. This is what David Davis has just said in the last few minutes in the comments.
10: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Like many on these benches, i spent weeks and months defending the Prime Minister uh, against often angry constituents. I've reminded them of his success in delivering Brexit and the vaccine and many other things. But I expect my leaders to shoulder the responsibility for the actions they take. Yesterday, he did the opposite of that. So I'll remind him of a quotation altogether too familiar to him of Leo Amory to Neville Chamberlain. You have sat there too long for all the good you have done. In the name of God, go. Wow. How did Boris Johnson respond?
4: I I, I, thank my. Order. Prime Minister. I I must say to the right hon. Gentleman I don't know what he's talking about uh, but uh, what I can can tell him uh, I don't know what quotation he's alluding to that he's referring but what I can tell him is that I and I think I've told this house repeatedly uh, throughout this throughout this pandemic I take full responsibility for everything done in this government uh, and and, uh, throughout the pandemic.
0: Patrick Maguire, in the last few minutes, David Davis, former Brexit secretary, he resigned from Theresa May's cabinet over Brexit. Boris Johnson followed him out uh, uh, not long afterwards. Former leadership candidate was a whip under uh, John Major during Maastricht. He knows how these things work. He's by far the most senior person so far to call for Boris Johnson to go.
6: And he's he's done so not in veiled, euphemistic language or in an op-ed in a a broadsheet, but he's done so in the most explosive and uh, he's knifed him in the front, so to speak, and, uh, again, done it in a way that wounded him, although Boris Johnson affected not to know anything about the Norway debate there, which is very unconvincing for a biographer of... Explain for people your
0: knowledge of these things. This was in a debate, uh, this was in the Norway debate at the House of Commons.
6: Which, in 1940, which uh, cemented Neville Chamberlain's fate, Uh, you know, it was the moment where it became clear that Neville Chamberlain had lost the support of the House... And it paved the way for Winston Churchill, Boris Johnson's great political idol, to become Prime minister. So for him to invoke that specific example is a deliberate attempt to goad and wound Boris Johnson. And seeing David Davis and Christine Wait for bookend this PMQs, which cause the PM to go, just shows you the breadth and depth of uh, discontent with Boris Johnson.
0: Well, if you're just joining us here on uh, Times Radio, it's been quite the morning in uh, Westminster. About, uh, just under an hour ago, we got the news that uh, Christian Wakeford, the uh, now former Conservative MP for Bowie South, had defected to the Labour Party, uh, uh, um, uh, telling Boris Johnson that he cares passionately about the people of Bowie South and I've concluded the policies of the Conservative government that you lead are doing nothing to help the people of my constituency and indeed only making the struggles they face on a daily basis worse. It's set up an extraordinary uh, Prime Minister's questions. Uh, Let's take a listen to uh, some of what's um, gone on. First of all, let's hear from... uh, uh, This is uh, what uh, Keir Starmer had to say about that defection. Can I
7: start by warmly welcoming the Honourable Member for Bury South to his new place and to the Parliamentary Labour Party. Mr Speaker, like so many people up and down the country, he has concluded that the Prime Minister and the Conservative Party have shown themselves incapable of offering the leadership and government this country deserves, whereas the Labour Party stands ready to provide an alternative government that the country can be proud of. Mr Speaker, the Labour Party has changed and so has the Conservative Party. He and anyone else who wants to build a new Britain built on decency, security, prosperity and respect is welcome in my Labour Party.
0: There's Keir Starmer there gloating about Christian Wakeford defecting from the Conservatives to uh, the Labour Party. So, uh, Christian Wakeford sitting behind him wearing a Union Jack uh, face mask. Um, although Nadine Doris, the Secretary of State uh, for Culture, Media and Sport... I think, had tweeted uh, saying, Sadly, Christian uh, has yet to realise that the Union Jack mask he is wearing to cross the floor to Labour is not welcome on that side of the House. Huge and overwhelming support for Boris Johnson from packed Tory benches, she said. Uh, well, this is how Boris Johnson reacted uh, to the news of that defection at PMQs earlier.
4: May I say, Right Honourable Gentlemen, that the Conservative Party won a South for the first time in generations under this Prime Minister with an agenda of uniting, uniting and levelling up and delivering for the people of Bury South. And, Mr Speaker, we will win again in Berry South at the next election under this Prime Minister.
0: Major. Oh, 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 oh. uh, a big cheers, there for Boris Johnson. Um, it should point out that the Conservatives won Bury South by 402... Uh, votes. 402 or 420. I can't remember which. Not many, anyway. So, uh, And it had been Labour since um, 1997. So that was how PMQs kicked off with Christian Wakeford's uh, defection. But who he, let's be honest, But most people in the country will be saying, less so of David Davis, the former Brexit secretary, uh, who Boris Johnson tried a couple of times to get into the Cabinet without success. Uh, this is what David Davis said at the end of PMQs.
8: This.
10: Thank you Mr Speaker Like many on these benches I've spent weeks and months Defending the Prime Minister uh, Against often angry constituents I've reminded them Of his success in delivering Brexit And the vaccine And many other things But I expect my leaders To shoulder the responsibility For the actions they take Yesterday He did the opposite of that So I'll remind him of a quotation altogether too familiar to him of Leo Amory to Neville Chamberlain. You have sat there too long for all the good you have done. In the name of God, go.
8: No, no.
4: That's how Boris no, 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 no. Johnson responded. I, 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 I my, I, or, order, Prime Minister. I, I, I must say to the right honourable gentleman, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, but uh, what, I can, what I can tell him, uh, I don't know what quotation he's alluding to that he re, he's referring. But what I can tell him is that I, and I think I've told this house repeatedly uh, throughout, this, throughout this pandemic, I take full responsibility for everything done in this government uh, and, and uh, throughout the pandemic.
0: Quite the moment there, quite the moment there. Patrick Maguire, uh, Times Red Box editor. Um, let's let's wrap up where we are with Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson is still on his feet in the House of Commons. He's actually making an announcement about the ending of Plan B coronavirus restrictions, working from home no longer needed, mandatory COVID certification would end, no longer wearing to wear face masks in classrooms. All of that overshadowed by the extraordinary spectacle of David Davis, the former Brexit Secretary under Theresa May, um, former Conservative leadership candidate, standing up in the House of Commons, citing, as you point out, uh, Churchillian historical reference to really needle Boris Johnson and calling for Boris Johnson to go. Um, How secure is Boris Johnson this lunchtime?
6: (laughs) I hate to use the word febrile, but that's exactly how it feels. After that moment, that David Davis moment, it feels even tenser than it did at the very start of that PMQs. Just when you have... A 2019 intake MP quitting to join the Labour Party and David Davis casting the Prime Minister as Chamberlain in such a way as to humiliate him in front of his own benches. And then you have uh, an announcement on Covid which might have otherwise been, sorry, red meat to back benches that has been completely ignored because the Prime Minister is in such a mess. I just don't... I struggle to see a way back. It's a very, very narrow path to
0: survival, even narrower than it was last week. The big unknown, of course, is how many more there are, and does, as we were discussing, does Christian Wakeford's defection mean that some Red Wall MPs slightly panic and inch back, step back from the brink? How many people does da- David Davis is a big name? He's a bit of a maverick. Uh, how big is his? You know, it, although he resigned first from Theresa May's cabinet, it was a bigger moment when Boris Johnson did it. How how many people do you think he takes with him? Does that outweigh? nervousness on the other side?
6: It's a very good question. And I think certainly to, two, to some MPs, both of those moments will have a so what quality to do. You know, MP you've never heard of, defects the Labour Party, because he's too scared to, you know, last the course of 2024 and see if he can win as a Tory. So what? David Davis, old, irrelevant, never getting back into the cabinet, some MPs might say. So what? Um, but I suspect, particularly with the DD, with the DD intervention, um, that is a, a signal as you said, for someone who's, you know, one of the few people in the Commons who's been here for almost three, for exactly three decades, um, who's been around the block before, who's seen Prime Minister's fall, indeed played his part in founding Prime Ministers, um, someone who believes in Boris Johnson's achievements as Prime Minister, um, it's quite at the moment. And I think that might sway some wavers, particularly of his generation, the few remaining MPs of that, uh, of that intake.
0: I suppose that's the thing, as it is. We've now got big beasts who've been in the Commons for 20, 30 years and the 2019ers and actually does that just create a groundswell. And it was very easy to dismiss for number
6: 10 if you wanted to, if you're Nadine Dorries, basically say oh look at these spoiled brats turning on the man who made them.
0: You can't really say that about David Davis. You can say what you like about David Davis. He's not an effing nobody Mm. as was uh, as reported yesterday. That's so all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,